Now, I'm just going to tell you right up front, if you are new to Grace, it is good to have you here. But we're like any other church. We have like a normal like routine. Like, you know, you, you sing like four songs. It's like the announcements. You have a time of prayer. Then you have a message. And then you have like the closing prayer. And then you leave. And I'm getting ready to stress up, stress at you type A people because it's not going to be anything like that today. <laughs> Nothing at all. In fact, what we're going to do throughout this, this service, as part of my message, man, we're going to be singing at different times. We'll be taking communion together. But I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 42 because the song that we just sang sets up where we're going to go. And I've got this question for you as, as I begin my teaching time. Have, have you ever gone through a season I, I don't know how else to call it. I'll call it a, a time of spiritual drought. It's marked by spiritual dryness. Have you, have you ever been there? You ever been there? In November of last year, I woke up and I was there. I, all the signs had been there. Just this dryness. I was, man, I, I was preaching. I'm doing the work of God. And, and I'm studying the word, and it's not that the word wasn't speaking, but I woke up one morning, and I don't know if you guys remember 2020, um, we had this thing called, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, COVID, yeah, uh, COVID. Um, no, but, but in, in November, early November, COVID had hit our staff, and like literally out of our 20-plus staff members, like 17 of us were impacted at one time, and so... I made that tough decision for the next two weeks. I'm gonna, we're gonna cancel services. And, and you know how it is. Man, COVID was so and is still so politicized. Literally, it's not about COVID anymore. It's about people disagreeing with each other. My email inbox blew up and it was just nuts. And, and I remember on this particular Saturday, I woke up and literally I was immobilized. I don't, I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I couldn't move. And it was like the weight of the moment just hit me. And, and I'm not an emotional guy. I, I guess I laugh a lot, but like the other, uh, like I'm not a crier type guy, but man, the, like my eyes started sweating or something because there were like <laughs> things coming out the side. And, and, and then guys, it's just weird. I, I don't know that this had ever happened. It turned into like full blown, like, like a sobbing thing where it was so, so man, it was just shaking me to the play. Like Lori's trying to sleep in, man. She's a teacher. She finally has a chance to sleep in on a Saturday and it woke her up and she's like, what is wrong with you? And I told her, I said, I don't know for sure. I said, but I think part of this is I'm just sick and tired. I just want somebody else to make decisions. I'm tired of making decisions. I'm tired of getting the emails. I'm, I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of it. And I said, but the worst thing so the thing that hurts the worst is I feel like I've been doing the work of God and, and God just left me here. I'm all alone. I said, it's almost like I'm doing this by myself. You, you ever ask the question that I was asking that morning? God, where are you? Where, where are you, God? What are you... What are you doing? Here's the thing. In, in those moments, you don't have like the great voice from the heavens. Here's what I'm doing in this. You don't get any of that. You just lay there desperately wishing that you would hear from God. 
I don't know if you're here this morning, but I've got a message this morning for Christians that find themselves in a time of spiritual dryness. Now, the, the reason why I say this is for a, me- a message for Christians, listen, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, I love the fact that you are here. We're not one of those churches that says, hey, listen, man, we just want everybody to look alike, be alike, and all that. Man, I just, I'm glad that you're here. And by the way, I would say this, the fact that you are here doesn't speak to your pursuit of God as much as it speaks to God's pursuit of you. And I love the fact that you are here. And, I, and, and as I'm speaking, though I'm speaking to Christians, what, what I'm praying, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, that, that you will hear this and, and you You'll, you'll grasp the beauty of the gospel, that you'll, you'll get a picture of a God who loves his kids even through really tough times. But I want to talk to, to believers who are walking through a season that you don't understand. And there's a realness and a rawness to Psalm 42. Actually, it, it marks the Psalms. I love, I love the Psalms because a lot of times we sanitize like music and make it sound all good or whatever. Man, Psalm just lays it out there, man. They're, it's real. Look at what David writes in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And I just want to say this, like, like this is a really good question. I, this is why it's so real. If you've been there, I think back to November 2020, you can think back to, to different seasons. Maybe it's something recent. Maybe it's just recently you've been saying, what is wrong with me? What's going on? Why, why are you in turmoil? But then we see David responding to himself, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. But then he goes back, my my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, I was reading this this week. There are a few things that just jumped out to me from this passage, right? Okay, so you, you, you know that David's going through a season. He doesn't know what God's up to. It's a season of, of, of spiritual dryness, of spiritual drought. First of all, he does not sense God's presence in his heart or his soul. He, he might have faith, but he doesn't have feelings. And really, when you go through a, the, the, the desert, spiritual drought, you, you, might, you might wish for the feelings. You're just holding on to faith. There's no, there's no feelings to go with us. It's, it's, it's right here. But, but then I also see this. God isn't acting quickly enough. God isn't acting quickly enough. He's taking his sweet time getting back to him. Yeah, you ever been there? It was like, God, what's going on? You, you see where I am right now? Show up. Now, I don't know if you guys are like Lori and I. Lori and I are on the, you know, 
we got our, our phones. I'm number one on her favorites list, and she's number one on my favorites list. It's sweet, man. It's just sweet. But there are times that my wife will text me or she will call me, and I don't answer the phone, or I do not respond. And there are times that I will text my sweet wife, and she does not get back to me right away. Or I call her, and I can always tell when she sent me immediately to voicemail. It just, like, boom, you're there. Like, and we will have these sweet yet intense moments of fellowship in which I say, why in the world do we even have cell phones? We never answer them. What is the big deal? And it's all because we're impatient. We want an answer right now. You ever been this way with God? It's like, come on, God. I've prayed. Where, where are you? It, it feels like God's abandoned you. You know, I remember when I was five years old, man, my, my family, every Sunday afternoon, they had this thing. My mom had this thing where at like 2.30, I had to take a nap. I did not want to take a nap. I probably needed the nap. But anyway, they put me, you know, I remember having to go to sleep. I say five. I was probably four. Anyway, I, f I fell asleep. And on this particular day that I'm thinking of, I woke up and, and the house was really quiet. There was no music playing or anything like that. And I remember waking up and saying, Mom, Dad, no answer. Mom, Dad, it's quiet. I remember running down to their room and I, I pushed open the door and there's nobody in their bedroom. I go into the living room, nobody's in the living room, the kitchen, nobody's in the kitchen. And I still, this is crazy, man, I'm a 45-year-old guy, I can literally still feel that sense of panic and it's irrational, but as a four-year-old kid, you're like, they left me. Honestly, there's probably a good reason why they did leave, you know, for a second, like, please. But I remember that panic of feeling as if I had been abandoned. You know, it's so weird that in a time of spiritual dryness, it might not be a panic, but on that November morning in 2020, it was no less real. I felt like it was like God took his hands off. You're on your own, kid. You're all alone. He's not answering me when I call out. And I, 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 I just can really relate to what David's writing here in, in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42. I, I mean, it just, I, I don't feel your presence in my heart or soul. You're not acting quickly enough. And then we see, he's just saying, man, I just want to go back to when life was good. You, you've been there? You're going through a time of spiritual dress like, oh man, I just want to go back to when, man, when, when everything was, was clicking, everything was going. You, you remember how things used to be? You know, remember when, when I was singing your praise? Remember when I was giving my testimony? Remember when I was on fire? Remember when, when life was good and I was seeing God move? Remember this? It's like, come on, God. This is what he says. Can I get an appearance before God? God is, can I, can I even get on your calendar? Literally, can I somehow get on your calendar so you and I can have a meeting? What is going on here? Well, it's, it's called spiritual dryness. And that question, where are you, God, is a question that if you've never gone through a season in which you've had to ask that question, listen, if you are a believer, at some point, I'm not trying to be like a downer or anything, you will walk through that season. Where are you, God? Now, did you notice in, in, in what I read here in Psalm 42, did you notice uh, where in Psalm 42 that it says the spiritual drought is, uh, is because of sin? Did you see that in there? I hope not because it's not in there. 
You know, a lot of times when we're going through the, uh, the wilderness, we're going through a, a spiritual drought, we immediately go to examination. What did I do wrong? There's got to be a reason for this. I must have sinned. And you, you like go on this weird introspective, introspective thing and you start making up things maybe. You're trying to explain, this is why I'm going through here because, you know, we're all about our little checklists, right? And, and so, so for us, our confidence comes from many, unfortunately, it comes from too often us looking at what we've been doing and what we've been doing well. And so many times when, when we go through the season, we want to figure out who caused this? Who do we need to sue? Is it me? Is it me? God, where are you? What's up to this? And what this does, it speaks to, uh, it speaks to a myth, that we've bought into, and it's actually irrational if you think about it, and it's this myth that if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, things will never go wrong. That Christians should always be in a position of having all the material blessings they want, they should have health, their kids should never do something stupid. And yet we know that's not real. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. But he said, take courage because I've overcome the world. But, but what, 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 I, what, I see, what I see here is that, is that, that many times we want to go back to when things were good. And honestly, this is why I think a lot of Christians that are going through spiritual dryness, and if this is you this morning, you're, you're probably kind of like where I was in, in 2020. You, just want to, you don't want to talk to other Christians about it. You know why? Because other Christians immediately go to the checklist too. Well, man, you know, have, you, have you been seeking God's face in this? Oh, you have been praying? Well, have you prayed a prayer of faith? You just need more faith. You're like, dude, I don't think you, shut up. You, know, you don't want to talk to somebody. You know, literally, they, they, they go down this thing, you know, oh, you're experiencing spiritual, you know, spiritual dryness. Well, have you confessed all known sin? Have you pleaded the blood? Have you rebuked the devil? Have you thanked God for all your many blessings? Like, yeah, no, I don't know. And so what happens is because a lot of times in, in Christians, instead of just being there and praying with each other, we just go down this checklist. Dig, 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 dig. And, and what happens is, is we just don't even want to talk about this because the, the inference is if I'm going through this, obviously I've done something wrong. But that's not the case. It's not what's going on here in Psalm 42. David hasn't done anything wrong. It's just that he's dying of spiritual thirst. There's no confession here. There's not, you don't see David saying, I'm sorry for my sins. I, I, I hide them no longer. I'm repenting. No, it didn't say that. Here's what it reveals. Here's what it reveals. It reveals that spiritual dryness will come upon you, not not always because of sin. Now, can it happen because of sin? Sure, but not necessarily. Spiritual dryness will just come upon you. It will happen even when you're checking off your spiritual list, whatever that happens to be. Now, listen, spiritual dryness will happen. And what I see in Psalm 42, it wasn't sin that brought this on. There were three things. And I just want to hit them very quickly. First of all, if you're, if you're taking notes, what brought it on, there, there's just disillusionment about the events that he's experienced. He's disillusioned by what he sees. God, I don't, I don't get why this happened. God, I don't, I don't get why I'm here. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm devastated. I, I'm thirsty. I'm coming to you, man, like a, like a deer that is running, is thirsty for water. I'm coming to you, thirsting to pile on their ungodly people that are taunting him. Where is your God? Now, can I just say this? Because the very... You know, the very fact that that question is asked speaks to the fact that, that that question is asked because something 
that you're experiencing doesn't align itself, perhaps, with our expectation of a God who is loving, just, kind, good, all of that stuff. We, we're, we're having trouble reconciling this. And, and people see it like, yeah, well, if you were a Christian, you, know, you would think that God would show up and take care of you, and yet here you are. But it's not, that's not the worst part. It's not just that the doubts are coming from the outside. What, what, what David's struggling with is that the doubts are coming from the inside. God, where are you? He's disillusioned. God, have you forgotten about me? But also, man, what, what I see here, this has been brought on by deprivation of food and sleep specifically in this case, but things that make him healthy. What, what, what we see here is that he's not in a good place physically. He's not eating. His tears have been his food, but, but he's not sleeping either. They've been, his, been a food day, they've been his food day and night. He's not in a healthy place. You know, in the Old Testament, then Jesus repeats that we're to love God with what? All your heart? You guys got it. I couldn't tell what everybody was saying, but I know it's heart, life, soul, and strength. Why, why, why do you think it, those four things are mentioned? It's because they are all part of who we are. A lot of times we only focus on the physical or we only focus on the, the spiritual. The, the reality is when we're in an unhealthy place in, one of, in any one of these areas, it impacts the rest of this. And what I see here is, is David, who's writing this, he's in an unhealthy place. It's not a, a good thing, but, but it's not just that he's disillusioned, not just that there's deprivation that he's facing. There's also a disruption of community. There's a disruption of community here. Verse four, man, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. I remember how I'd go with the throng. All the people, the crowds, I would lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and, and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. And I don't know what's changed, but, but for some reason, David is now in the north part. He's not in the south. He's not in Judea. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not where the temple is. He's in the north, the northern part. He's, he's near the Jordan. He's near Mount Hermon. He's a long way away. I don't know why he's there. I don't know if he was, he was sent there or what took place, but, but for whatever reason, he's not with other believers. He's not with the other pilgrims, and it's hurting him. His community is disrupted. And church, I want to say something, especially when we're talking about the season that we can go through a spiritual dryness. We're walking through a wilderness. God, where are you? We need community. The church is so much more than a building. The church is not a series of services on Sunday. You didn't come to church. You are the church. If we have been saved, if we are a child of God, we are the church. And listen to me, family, we need each other. We need each other. Listen, man, there's, there's all, I'm all for, you know, personal devotions and all of that. But guys, can I tell you, we need to study the word together. We need to eat together. We need to be together. This is part of being family. And when that community is disrupted, what Satan does is he isolates us. And what I know is when you're going through a time of spiritual dryness, it's not just that you know it. Our adversary knows it as well. He wants to isolate us. And you're like, well, you don't have to, you don't have to be part of a church or attend services to be saved. No, I never said you had to. You don't have to live with your spouse to be married, but it's not healthy, right? <laughs> we, we need each other. 
And what I know is in, in these times, we, there, there's an isolation and, and that disruption of community breaks us. And I'm, I'm convinced, I, it just hit me. As I look back, November 2020, we can all ask the whys, but there's this disruption. I quarantined for four stinking times last year. I'm never quarantining a day in my life. I'm going to get it, you get it. I'm just, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? There's a disruption of community. What we see here is David, he's longing to be with the people of God. He's longing for the multitude that are, that are coming together for the festival. What, what, what was a festival? Well, the, the Israelites had these pilgrim feasts. Probably the, the one that we know the most is called Passover. What would, what would take place at Passover? What did you do at Passover? Well, people would come together. They'd come from all over the country. And what they would do is they would come together. They would read the passages of how God delivered their forefathers, their, 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 their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. They would remember together what God had done. They would sing songs of praise together. They would recommit themselves to God together. They were the family of God coming together. And listen, man, I know it's so much easier to just, man, to think of the church as just a service. I just show up, I get my singing, I get the, the teaching, and then I go home. It's just me and my family, me and God, we're good. No, we need God, but we need the people of God and what makes the church the church is the family. We need to worship together, to celebrate together. Listen, guys, we even need to weep together. Throughout the Psalms and throughout the Proverbs, it shows up time and time again. We mourn with those who mourn, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we do it together. I want us to do that this morning. See what, the service is not just about me preaching a message, I want us to live the message, to take, to be part of this message today. You see what he was longing for was the opportunity to do what we get to do today to come together and remember. Jesus turned the Passover upside down when he said from now on, when you gather and you take the bread and you take the cup, you're not gonna do that in remembrance of what took place in Egypt. Now, you're gonna do this in remembrance of me. And guys, if you're, if you're walking through a desert, maybe the first step that you're going to take today is gonna do what we're going to do together. If you're in the front half, here in just a minute, I'm going to have you come to the front. We're going to take communion together. If you're in the back half, just go to the back. We have the elements there. I want you to take the bread. I want you to take the cup. I want you to go back to your seat, and I want you to apply this, especially if you're, if you're going through a, a season that does not make sense. I want you to remember what God has done through the cross, the cross because there's something powerful that happens when we remember together. So at this moment, I just want everybody to stand. Those of you that would wish to take communion, you don't have to be forced to take communion. 
But would you go ahead as the team comes back? I want, I want Matt and, and Cass to sing a song, and, and you can sing along with them as, you, as you're seated or, or whatever the case has to be, but it speaks to a person coming thirsty. Let's come thirsty to the table and take the elements together. I invite you to come. You see, what's so powerful about what we're doing right now is that if you're walking through a, a spiritual wilderness and you are spiritually dry, we can't answer the question of why, but what we're doing right now is we're providing one reason it can't be. It can't be that you're unloved. It can't be that God doesn't care about you. It can't be that God gave up on you. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so today, we together as a family remember what Christ has done. So I invite you to take the bread, knowing this represents the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Eat this and be thankful that he did it for you. In the same way, I invite you to take the cup, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled so that we could have life. Drink this and know that Christ did this for you and be thankful. So Lord, in this moment, I want to thank you for revealing to us something that is really, really powerful, especially if there are those here that are walking through a season in which you feel 100 miles away. What we're doing is we're reminding ourselves together with other believers of what we know. And what we know is that you, lo you so love the world that you gave your son to die for us. And so God, though our feelings may tell us you're 100 miles away or 100,000 miles away, the cross tells us that you are near and that we are loved. And so I want to thank you for that truth. And as we continue the teaching this morning, I'm praying that within the context of the cross, that we would understand who you are and how you care, even when we're going through a season of spiritual drought. And for what you're going to do, we thank you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But you know, we have David explaining where he's at, the season of spiritual dryness. And what we see here is worship. You know, worship is not... I gotta think this through. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. I, worship is... There's a worship that we praise when times are good and we thank God for what we're seeing, what we're feeling, all that, and thank God for that. But then there's a desperate worship. There's, there's, a, there's a worship that isn't marked by what we see or what we feel. It's a, it's a worship that is marked by what we hold on to regardless of what we see, regardless of what we feel,
This, this worship, it's, it's grabbing onto hope regardless of what is happening around. It's, it's, it's a desperate worship. And, you know, even as we go through the, you know, we're taking communion together and all of this, uh, it reminds me that we walk in the steps of a Savior. If we're pursuing Christ, we're walking in the steps of a Savior, not who lived, who, who lived a life that was very comfortable where everything was good. We're walking in the steps of a Savior who took a, a journey to a cross, who, who walked a, a journey that took him to a garden where he literally prayed, take this cup for me. If it be your will, take this cup for me. You see, you see it's, it's not like, like we're the only ones that have walked this. Jesus himself walked a journey where he asked where God was. But I, I'm thankful that it's not just that David described while so often we feel the season of spiritual dryness. He also introduced where the cure begins. And the reason why I use that phrase very specifically, where the, where the cure begins, the reason I, why I say that is because it's not like I'm gonna give you like four things and you're gonna go home today and immediately the showers are gonna fall, the heavens are gonna open and you're gonna like, woo, this is good, I'm done, I'm out. Now I know what to, no, it's not gonna happen that way. But the cure begins with what we read in verses 5 and verses 11, where David asks this question, why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? But then he responds to his own question with this, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The cure begins by, and there are just four things I'm going to leave you with today. Number one, wrestling with the questions instead of running from them. He asked himself, what, what is going on here? He didn't try to suppress it, paste on the fake smile. Let me go to church and act like my life is perfect. I got my junk together. No, he didn't do that. No, he, he wrestles with the questions. He doesn't run from them. One of the greatest things that I did was I found a, a godly man that I could sit down with. And man, God used another person in my life to help guide me through this. I had to work through this. And another reason why this is so important to have community. Man, ladies, you need to find a godly woman in your life. They can help walk with you through this, but, but wrestle with these questions. Don't run from them. Sometimes we're scared that doubts are somehow going to disprove the existence of God. No, they're not. We can wrestle with these questions. We should wrestle with these questions. But it doesn't just begin with that. It also, it, it also goes to this. The cure begins by reminding myself of what I know. Reminding myself of what I know. I examine the facts. If there's sin, now listen, if there's sin, acknowledge the sin, confess the sin, repent, get up and move forward. But if it's not sin, if you're just walking through a time of spiritual dryness, don't go down this rabbit hole of this like weird introspection. Well, maybe it could have been this. What if it was this? Can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit will be faithful to show you when you've sinned. And if you've sinned, confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But don't, you don't have to invent things. That, well, maybe I sinned here. God will let you know. There are times spiritual dryness is just going to happen. What you, what you do, though, come back. Remind yourself of what you know. Who is God? Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of what God can do. Remind yourself of who you are as a child of God, what that means. See, there are things that I know 
and it's what I know that guides me through the desert, through times of spiritual drought that I don't understand, I don't know. I, I, I like how Greg Laurie put it. Greg Laurie, his 18-year-old son was hit and killed by a drunk driver. And he was thinking about walking away from ministry. The doubts were there. The pain was there. And his mentor, Chick, Chuck Smith, said something to him at the funeral. He said, Greg, don't trade what you do know about God for what you don't know. Hold on to what you know. And today, what I want us to do, I'm asked, I've asked the team to come back and sing a song. And if you know it, feel free to sing, but that's fine. But, but I want you to reflect on these lyrics. These lyrics are, are powerful. They speak to what we hold on to when we don't understand what's going on around us. Worship together on this. You know what I love about the journey that we walk? You know, Psalm 23 talks about how the Lord is my shepherd, and it takes us through the whole thing, how he guides and leads and all that sort of thing. What I, what I like about that is that the wilderness is not the end of the story, and it's not on my strength to get myself home. It's not in me to just snap out of this. What's your problem? Get out of it. No. It's the shepherd who always gets his sheep home. You've heard that, you know, that old poem. Like some people think it's scripture. It's not. The poem Footprints that like grandmas have hanging on the wall in their house. It's the guy has the dream and he sees walking through the sand there are two sets of footprints and then at seasons there's just one set of footprints. He asks God about it and God's like, I didn't go anywhere when there's one set of footprints. That's, that's when I carried you. There's a comic that says, but that groove over there, that's when I drug you for quite a while. <laughs> whether he's carrying us, whether he's leading us, <laughs> whether he's dragging us, the shepherd always gets his sheep home. And you see, the cure begins not just with wrestling with the questions instead of running from them, just reminding myself of what I know about God, but it also begins by remembering what he has done before. You see, in, in November 2020, as I was wrestling through this, and, and, and guys, I, I don't want to go back to that. I don't like where I was. But what I did was I began to go back, especially after I was sitting down with somebody we're processing through some of these things. I began to go back. I, I remembered in 2011 when I came here to Grace as pastor, and in my first two weeks, I kid you not, 75% of our ministry leaders resigned and I remember thinking, God, did I miss your calling? But God showed up. I remember back in 2014 when we felt like, hey, we need to take a step of faith. We're growing. We need to build a, you know, we, we need to renovate so we can enlarge our sanctuary. And in that season, there was a, a time where, man, I, I got accused of some pretty hurtful things, accused of things that were not even true. And I remember as, as I was 
getting, you know, as I was getting these attacks, one particular morning coming over, I, it was all, it was, we used to have a wall that's right down this middle aisle, and this over here was just our sanctuary, and I came in here, and there was dust, drywall dust, everything everywhere in the middle of construction, but I didn't care. I needed to get with God, and I'm, I'm walking, and as I'm walking, and I'm, I'm, God, where are you? I feel like I'm all alone in this. You called me to this. I feel like this was the right thing, and now what, what's going on? And, and, and that song, it was just the weirdest song. I, it didn't even fit. It was that old hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I, I, it was like it just started playing in my mind like it shut up my doubts, and I started singing that song. And it was as clear as a bell. It, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was God that just said, I'm God. Let me have it. I'll take you through it. And he did. I could go back to 2018. I could go back to other seasons of, of, of times of spiritual drought and, and spiritual dryness. And I saw God move. And think about this. If you're here today, you're walking through a time of spiritual dryness, go back to what you remember. Remember, you've seen God move. You've seen God do miracles. You've seen God heal. You've seen God show up. You've seen God answer prayer. You've seen God deliver time and time again. There are times when we're going through what we don't understand. We go back to what we've seen God do. I don't know what's going on now, but I know that he delivered me then. And if he did it before, he can do it again. We go back. We remember what God has done. But the last thing I leave you with today is this. We embrace this great certainty. God's not done. We embrace this certainty. God's not done. When you're walking through spiritual dryness in the moment, the tears come, the weight is there. God feels 100,000 miles away. You want to put a period. This is my life. Don't put a period where God has put a comma. God's not done. He's still writing your story. In fact, this morning I was reading in Psalm 40. I, and I've, never, I've never thought about this. I've read this, I don't, man, I don't know how many times. Something jumped out. The first part of Psalm 40, David is, is, is thanking God for rescuing him from the pit, for bringing him out, for redeeming him. And then he says something interesting. I, I believe it's, it's either in verse 3 or verse 4. He says, it's not just that he redeemed. He says that he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. Hold on a second. I want you to think about that. Why was, why was that a new song? You know why it was a new song? Because until God lifted him out of the pit, all he had was a song of what he'd seen God do before. When God lifted him out, when God let him go through a journey of, of dryness, God was actually writing lyrics for a new song, a song that he was going to sing, a song that was going to give praise for what he saw God do in this time of dryness, in this time of drought. You see, a lot of times when we're saying, God is silent, God, where are you? We begin to wonder if God is actually there. Listen to me. Never confuse God's silence with God's absence. You ever been to high school drama? Those are great things. I love them. I love to go and cheer on my kids. But you know what happens at intermission? The curtain comes down on the stage. And you go out, usually intermission, that's when you get up, stretch, go to the bathroom, go get you some popcorn or whatever. And while you're out doing whatever you're doing, the curtain is down and you can't see what's taking place on the, on the stage. You might hear some sounds, but you have no idea what's coming next. But you know what's going on when the curtain is down, when you can't see anything, when you can't really hear anything, when you don't know what's going on? 
they're setting up for the next scene. And while we don't understand and what it's so easy to miss, as I did again last November, is that when I'm walking through the wilderness, it's not that God is through. He's not through. The shepherd's going to take his sheep home. It's just the fact that God is setting up for the next scene. Spiritual drought comes and it hits hard. But what anchors us is what we believe. And that's why what we believe matters. Last, well, I guess it's been the last, well, two months ago, we went through the book of Romans. Got to my favorite chapter, Romans chapter 8. I love Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things not just some things, all things, including the desert, work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I love verse 37, and all these things... Even the things that don't make sense in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not in there, but I would add this. Even times of spiritual dryness. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you would say, and I'm not talking about just those who are, who are maybe going through a time of spiritual dryness, any one of us, how many, how many of you, by an upraised hand, would just say this, I'm desperate for more of God. I want more of you. I want, I want more of you. I'm thirsty. God, I want more of you. Here's the good news. The story doesn't end with a drought. I love Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, Isaiah's writing to the people of God, the Israelites. They think that God's maybe forgot about them. He's left them. He's forgotten. And God sends them this message in verse 3. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I'm the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. What he's saying here is your story isn't over. The wilderness is not your final destination. You're going through there, but revival is coming. Water is coming. I'm the one that's going to pour out the water. There's a difference between spiritual dryness and spiritual deadness. Big difference. When you're spiritually dry, you just need the water that only God can provide. So what we're going to do this morning, <laughs> we're going to close by worship. I want you to stand. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And I want them to lead us in a song that, that I sang many times last fall. 
There's songs that just come to you and you just got to sing them. This is the song that I sang. And today, if you're spiritually dry in this moment, come back to what you know. The, the, you might walk out and the dryness hasn't left. You, you're still wondering what, what's going on. But, but hold on. We're, we're going to remind ourselves of what we know. The cure begins by wrestling with the doubts instead of running from them, by remembering what we know about God, by remembering what God has done, and then embracing this great certainty that God's not done. There's more to the story. And so we're going to sing this song, then I'm going to come back and close in prayer. But let's worship, let's come thirsty because he pours out his water. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. Story's not over, guys. Story's not over. Story isn't over. And so if you're walking through the, the desert, I don't envy you because I didn't like being there. I don't want to be there. But just remember that God's writing the lyrics to a new song and you're going to give him praise on the other side. Shepherd always gets his sheep home. So before I pray, let me just say this. Uh, we talk about, man, how we need each other. Some great ways that you can do this. Some next steps that I would say. If you're new to grace, is a great way to get plugged in. Or maybe you just, man, you need the people of God. We've got a women's discipleship encounter that's coming up. Women, you can, ladies, you can sign up at the next steps wall. Guys, we have men's advance that's taking place in McCall. The end of this month, again, you can sign up at the next steps wall. We would love for you to be part of that. But guys, I'm just here to tell you, if there's nothing else you get out of this, this uh, message today, is God's not done. God's not done. And so, Father, we thank you for that simple truth. You're not done. Feels like you are. But I don't think anybody's lied to me more than my feelings have lied to me. And God, you've been faithful, and you will be faithful. And so, God, I'm going to hold on to you regardless of what I see. We're going to hold on to you and go back to what we know, regardless of what we feel. We're going to hold on to you and keep walking, understanding that what I see is not the end of the story. You're going to take your people home. And so, Lord, for those people that are going through the spiritual drought, God, I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do, what you've done today to encourage them for what you're going to do to guide them through this. And, Lord, for the good work that you will continue in your children as they follow your son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for this, and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Go with God. We'll see you next week.